Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was growing up, when I was in elementary school, we had a dog at our house. And my dog's name when I was in elementary school was Heidi. This is my dog, Heidi. She was the beloved pet when I was in uh, elementary school and even before that. Heidi was the dog that my parents had before they even had me. So Heidi had a special place in all of our lives. The story that I'm about to tell you, I don't remember all of the details perfectly, being that I was in elementary school, but I remember parts of it, the parts that were most important. But here's how I remember the general gist of the story. My older brother and I went for a bike ride around the neighborhood, and I'm not sure if we had permission to go or if we just went, but I remember this one particular day we brought Heidi with on the bike ride. So here I am as an elementary school student (laughs) riding my bike with my dog, who wasn't necessarily young anymore, and I'm holding her leash. And I'm pretty sure this was the first time I'd ever taken a dog on a bike ride, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But at some point in that bike ride, somehow, some way, Heidi got in front of my bike, in front of my bike tire, and I, I, I hit her with my bike. And, and, I, and I remember her yelping, and I think limping, and maybe getting a bit skittish, but we went back home, and believe it or not, I actually told my parents the truth. And, and I remember talking to my dad about this, because as an elementary school student, I remember the thing that I was wrestling with the most, the thing I I felt worst about, was that Heidi was no longer going to love me. I thought somehow that that she was going to be mad at me, that she'd never want to run up to me and give me a kiss anymore. I, I thought that she would run away if I ever tried to pet her. But I remember my dad talking to me and my dad saying to me, Aaron, Dogs have unconditional love. Now, I've never fact-checked my dad on this to this day because I want to believe that it's true. And my dad continued on in saying, not only do dogs have unconditional love, but he used it as a teaching example to say to me, Aaron, in the same way God has unconditional love for you. Jesus loves you. And For the first time in my life, I I honestly remember having a rational, as much as I can, understanding of what unconditional love could look like through the lens of my dog, who my dad said was not going to be mad at me. He said, she probably won't even remember that it happened. She'll love you just as she always loved you. And I remember as a kid being freed from it, thinking, You mean she's not going to be running around to all the dogs in the neighborhood pointing out and saying, hey, that's the boy who hits dogs with their bikes. I remember being freed up of that guilt, knowing that maybe it's true that a dog could have unconditional love for me, but even more, that Jesus has unconditional love for us. Tonight, I simply want you to hear three simple words. These three words. Jesus is love. If you hear nothing else tonight, Jesus is love. 
Here we are, Thursday of Holy Week. Maundy Thursday, it's called in the Christian church. Maundy Thursday. Now, I'm going I'm to give you guys a little bit of a quiz at your houses. If you're watching this uh, with somebody else, in, gathered in a, in, a, in a group, we're going to play a little bit of a game show here. I'm going to put a question up on the screen, and the first one uh, in your living room to buzz in and get the correct answer, you get a prize. All right, so here's the question. What does Mondi mean? Oh, I can hear the buzzers going like, I, I hear them. All right, what, is, what does Mondi mean? See, I have to tell you this year after year. I tell you this every, every Mondi Thursday because if I don't tell you, you're going to forget. And if I don't tell you, I'll forget. So what does it mean? You ready for the correct answer? It comes from the Latin word, mandatum. And what does that mean? It means commandment, or maybe you see the word mandate here, a, a, a command of Jesus. Wait, what's that you say? You want to know what the prize is? Oh, I told you you get a prize if you get the answer right. Right, I did say that. I didn't tell you that I was going to give you a prize. You can go find a prize yourself. You want me to pause? You can go get yourself a little ice cream from the freezer. Okay, we can wait. All right, you got your ice cream. All right, moving on. You got your prize. Mondi, it means commandment, commandment. All right, so here we are. This is the Thursday of Holy Week, and Jesus is with his disciples. It's the Passover. The Passover, that age-old event that Jews celebrated year after year after year, being reminded of their deliverance from slavery in Egypt so long ago. This festival was celebrated annually by the Jews. They had a pilgrimage into Jerusalem. The population of Jerusalem probably swelled from about 50,000 to 150,000 people. Jesus and his disciples have gone to the Passover in Jerusalem every year of Jesus' ministry, and likely Jesus has done this every year of his life. But this one, this one's a bit different. See, because this week we know is different. It was different already on Sunday. On Sunday, as Jesus came into Jerusalem, the people welcomed him as their king, laying down their coats before him, crying out, Save us, Lord! Hosanna us! Deliver us from our oppressors! Jesus kind of started living up to his name on on the next day, on Monday, when Jesus came into town. On Monday of Holy Week, he went to the temple and he drove out the money changers and overturned the tables of those selling and turning the worship place of God into a marketplace. Jesus came in strong on Monday. On Tuesday of Holy Week, he came back in and now garnering the attention of the crowds but also the leaders all day Tuesday, Jesus taught and he taught and he taught and he taught. Many, many teachings, many parables. On Wednesday, Jesus had relaxed a bit uh, with his friends and his disciples, being prepared for what was to come. And on Wednesday night, Judas went and turned Jesus in, told, told him that he knew his location in order that he could make a little bit of cash for himself. So it's Thursday now, and Jesus is in Jerusalem in the upper room with his disciples, and they're celebrating the Passover feast. 
Before we got to our reading in John 13, Jesus has already washed his disciples' feet, taking that form of a servant, humbling himself. He went to the lowliest place in order to lift up those who are in lowly places. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus does. He goes to the lowly and makes himself even lowlier to lift them up. All throughout this week, Frankly, all throughout his ministry, Jesus has been demonstrating that he is love. Jesus is love. And now, here on this night, Jesus gives a new commandment, a new mandatum to his disciples. Chapter 13, verse 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also ought to love one another. Jesus is talking to his beloved disciples, those who have been journeying with him all throughout his ministry. I love the gospel of of John. After these words, in chapters 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, all is, is a record of Jesus teaching his disciples on Thursday night. So after this service gets done, if you've never read it, read John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, for it all records the teaching and the prayers that Jesus has for his disciples. And here he says to them, I have a commandment for you, love one another as you've been loved by me. Now, by way of our relationship to Jesus, also being followers of his, that commandment's also true for us as well. Love one another. So, I ask you then, how do you go about loving one another? How do you love one another? I'm going to reason a guess here, and, and if I said to you, love one another. What your mind is automatically doing is it's thinking of the actions that you can take or that you have taken to show love to somebody. Is that what your mind says? Love one another. So your mind goes, okay, yeah, love one another. I guess, what have I done recently? I I sent a, I mailed a card to somebody that I haven't seen in a while and I wanted them to get something in the mail and know that I've been thinking about them. Yeah, I showed love that way. I did something. I, I, I picked up the phone and I called, I called a friend that I sit by at church that I've just been longing to be next to and I haven't seen and I just want to be next to them. So I picked up the phone and, and said, hey, how you doing? And I showed love. I, I gave a hug to somebody Hopefully it was only somebody in your family, I guess, is the rule. Man, when this is all over, you better believe I'm hugging every single one of you. <laughs> we're, we're hugging at the door. We're not just shaking hands. We're, we're hugging. How do, how do you show love to one another? I think our minds automatically move to the actions that we do for one another. And that's good. It's good to do loving things for one another. I mean, Jesus did. Jesus did loving things. He washed his disciples' feet. He healed people. He, for goodness sakes, he died on the cross for us. He did things to show his love. But there was a little bit 
different method of Jesus demonstrating his love for us. Because I believe that Jesus didn't start with thinking about the actions, thinking, hmm, what could I do to let them know that I love them? Jesus' love starts in his very character. Jesus is love. God is love. Therefore, by nature of his identity, the actions of love simply flow out of him. So for Jesus, love is not just, for you grammar nerds, love is not just a verb, something that he does. Love is the adjective that describes him. And I believe that Jesus is inviting us into a life similar to that. For when we are loved by him and when we are alive in him, we take on that nature and that identity of Christ. We say it like this at our church, we are alive in Christ. So when we are in him, his love is also made manifest in us. By nature of being a follower of Jesus, love ought to be in your nature. Not just something you do, but something that you are. John, the same John who wrote this gospel for us, penned another letter, actually a set of three letters at the end of your Bible, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And in 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, John describes love like this. Beloved, that means loved ones. Let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation. That's a sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us. He lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Friends, Jesus is inviting you to let love move from simple actions and tasks and to-do lists into the very nature of who you are. Jesus has already loved you with an unending love, an unconditional love. See, I, I think this is so counter-cultural and, and, and counter-anything that we understand because everything in the world in which we live seems to have conditions attached to it. You know, the government will offer you some money so long as you have done X, Y, and Z. If you're a small business you know, owner, the government will provide a loan for you and forgive it so long as you do. Bum, 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 bum. Down the line, I, I think a lot of times we even condition our love even with the people that we claim to love the most. But Jesus loves us with an unending kind of love. That love, that love, in the Greek language, it's the word agape. And agape is always other-focused love. It's sacrificial love. It's selfless love. It's always thinking higher of the other and lesser of self. That's the kind of love Jesus has for you. 
He showed it most fully when he died for you on the cross. Did you earn his love? No. We've earned a cross for ourselves, but instead he sets us free. And if Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. Again, we have life. Life to the full. Life in Christ. And if it's true that Jesus is love, then we who are in him also abide in love. And man, does this world need people to live in love. I believe this world is so desperately in need of people like you and like me who bear the title Christians, little Christs. (laughs) The world is desperately in need of us to love it. To love it sacrificially, selflessly, graciously, mercifully in the name of Jesus to give love. This world needs us to be Heidi-like, unconditional love. I think the world is so desperate to, to see a love that stands above all the rest. You know, in this so-called pandemic. In our society, all of the things that we hold up as idols, with those things stripped away like sports and fame and popularity and, and money, with those things falling down, what remains? What stands the test of time, of all eternity? What one thing remains when the world falls apart? Jesus and his love for you. Jesus and his love for you. It's what, it's what remains. The word of God remains when all things are falling apart. The love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ still stands today. Jesus right now is standing as tall as he did the day that he walked out of the tomb on Easter morning. Right now, Jesus sits on his heavenly throne with all things in heaven and on earth and under the earth subjected to the name of Jesus. He has all things in his loving control. And yet with all of that being said, he knows you. He knows your name. He knows your need of forgiveness. He knows your worries. He knows your heartache. He knows the brokenness you feel. And he says, I love you. I love you. I forgive you. I command you now. Not because I'm mean and I give you a commandment, but I command you because it's good for you and for the world. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Jesus is love. In his name. Amen.